to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced as all things should be. I'm your host, Max Moser, here today with one other Infinity Bro of our six rotating member cast and a special guest. We'll get to her in a moment, but first, it is Isaac Edland. Isaac, how you doing? Doing great. Excited to talk about Barbie tonight. It's going to be a blast. Hey, Isaac, I want you to know you're Knuff. Thank you. Thank you, you for are saying Knuff. that. And I, Max, I want you to know that you are Knuff. We are enough. We are enough. Wow. I'm more than beach. I am more than beach. Um, And today, special guest, she is also with Isaac Edlin. It is the wife of Infinity Bro, Isaac, Holly Edlin. Holly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It is a pleasure to be here today. It it surely is. We were talking about this pre-show, Holly. I did not feel comfortable at all not having a female voice on this episode. Yes. Furthermore, thank you. Mm -hmm. But furthermore, I couldn't wrap my head around seeing this movie and not wondering what you thought as Mm. a friend of mine. Uh, Several people. My wife still hasn't seen this movie, and I'm fascinated to know Sarah her thoughts on it eventually. She definitely you know, and so, she 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 doesn't care as much about the movies as she's other busy being do. nurse of the year and stuff. Yeah, she's just yeah too busy winning Daisy Awards. <laughs> but uh, yeah, total like super pumped you're here. We're glad to hear from your perspective, you and I think this is gonna be a great review. This is actually the start of a two part of this episode. This is gonna be a super episode. This is our Barbenheimer episode. So you will catch Isaac and Holly on the front end here talking about Barbie. And then make sure you stick around at the end because we will get into Oppenheimer on the back half of it. The link uh, to the show notes are in the link in the bio. I don't know how to say that. It's a super (laughs) show. Stick around. This is only half of it. But before we get into anything, we have to make sure that we take care of something, uh, Holly. Uh, We are instructed by the people above us that you need to go through the Infinity Gauntlet. Are you a heel or a baby face? If you could make any flavor cheese it, what would it be? Is it pronounced Grogu or Groku? If Keanu Reeves isn't in the movie, can it be star-studded? It's time for the Infinity Gauntlet, here on the Infinity Bros Podcast. For those that are unfamiliar with the Infinity Gauntlet, it is Is our opportunity to let people that listen to our show get to know our guests, allow the guests to kind of answer questions spontaneously you have no idea you have not been told what these questions are ahead of time they I are prepared not, no. by the infinity even, bros i didn't themselves. even tell her that we we're gonna do the infinity gauntlet so he just said yeah. i have a surprise for you yeah. he that's all I, the higher-ups were isaac just for clarity i wanted to be known <laughs> the higher-ups were isaac i i wasn't gonna uh, put you through the meat grinder but here we are so okay. we're gonna start with infinity bro robbie's question uh his his question starts with can you imagine a world <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> Can you imagine a world where the most popular superhero is female? Who besides Wonder Woman would that hero be and who would play her? Is this like fictional, nonfiction? Either or you are fan casting the ultimate superhero presence. That is uh, a woman. And and she is going to be a female. Yes. Wow. Who would be the superhero? And who would play it? Or heroin. I don't know. You can call it that too. Or heroin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of women. Not the drug. That are like paving the way. Who is paving the way? Hmm. Well, our daughter's paving the way. Sure. Yeah. Sveya, um, she is 
doing some art and raising money to help friends and others. And somebody came over and asked if um, they could do a drawing and have it tattooed on their body. Oh, wow. So, I mean. That's awkward. That is, it was very. I, I um, didn't really know what to say. It, it was, was, it's like yeah. our neighbor's, sh- neighbor's daughter. Yeah. Sure. It's, sure. I mean, it's like cool, but at the same time, it's like, wow, you mm-hmm. want very this. Odd strange little girl that you've met maybe like four times to do a tattoo that you're going to have on your body for the rest of your life. Okay. So does this mean Svea will be the superheroine or are you just going to, are you going to attach her to someone else? Are you just choosing her Holly? No, I'm not choosing her. Um, I'm trying to like really give a good answer here. I mean, you know that I've always loved Beyonce. Well, there you go. I think it's a great answer. Um, Beyonce is helping the economy right now. So, with her concerts, she's for women. We'll people trying to get homes women. right now, but okay. <laughs> and helping us all go broke for going to her concert. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I just think she is um, an advocate for women, and okay. I believe that Charity is a superhero in herself. Yeah, I, like. I, I think that's a great answer. Right. I think yeah. you're you're onto something there. I think Thank she's you. she's just, running the world. Just business. Beyonce, like just she is Beyonce. already. Well, yeah, well, the, the question was one superhero, so you're good. You don't have to add anymore. You don't, that wasn't. I don't we have, have more to. questions, and as you could probably tell, they're going to be gender related, probably. That's fine. <laughs> My favorite subject. This comes from Infinity Bro Zane. Should female superheroes be allowed to wear skirts? <laughs> Which actually, I, I this is a great question in my opinion because, like, do you feel that that is? I'll I'll take a step further here, Zane. Like, do you feel that's like degrading to women and that they're in the skirts, or do you feel like no that that adds to the the facade? I mean, who drew the women in the comics? Great question. Originally? Oh, it's a great, a great question. question. <laughs> Probably a man. So <laughs> the fact I can't that... tell you how how important that question is. Yeah. Holly. So it oh, was. Man. It's definitely like a world. Like, mm, I yeah. wonder what it's like what's under there Ooh. Mm-hmm. But it's like no yeah. I, I don't know i think it's degrading in a way without pants are we talking without pants sure yeah okay. it's from zane who knows uh, <laughs> who knows holly um, i don't know i'm just reading I, off a of paper i mean you don't see supermen in skirts so i feel like yeah. yeah i feel like they should be wearing pants too take that if they're scottish right i mean come on that's it's true brutal. there's probably a Kill scottish superhero cultural. out there you know there's gotta yeah. be one yeah, mm-hmm. it's gotta be yeah. one. Um, this comes from Infinity Bro Max. I'm asking him this. I knew I knew what I was gonna ask you. Okay, so you just we just saw Barbie. A lot of Kens, a lot of Kens in, in the Barbie movie. I would love for you to pick a specific Ken for each Infinity Bro. So <laughs> which okay. Ken did you identify the most with with That's... each Infinity Bro? So we're gonna start with Infinity Bro Zane. Which Ken did you think Zane related to the most in that movie? Alan. <laughs> Great answer. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to Infinity Bro Max. Who'd you pick for me? Max. (laughs) Yep. Infinity Bro Max. I'm trying to think of all the Kens because I remember. There's um, a lot. There's a lot. There are. Mm -hmm. Who's the dude that was always chilling on the beach? Was that Simu Liu or is that Kingsley Benadir? He was. But like the backup to the to the main Ken. Is that you talking about? Not not his rival, but not his rival. Yes, the backup. Yeah, the buddy. The buddy. The buddy. Yes, the buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kingsley Benadir. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, that's me. His mm-hmm. name was Ken, according to IMDb. <laughs> Isaac, which 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 Ken you are you picking Gosling for Isaac? Is that a layup? Absolutely. Yeah, don't that's even a layup. You're absolutely right. Actually, yeah, that was a dumb question. <laughs> it was a dumb question. I'm sorry for you. Very dumb. Me. Yeah. What am I doing? 
Um, and then Robbie, uh, who you pick for Robbie? Robbie is definitely a rival to Isaac. Yeah, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, Robbie and I just duking it out. Yeah, yeah. 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 And his he's name, his that. name for those that are wondering, is Ken in IMDb. His name is Simu. Is that his name? Simu Liu, but in uh, the credits, his he's credited as Ken. He's Ken, got it. Yeah. Alan was who Zane was credited Zane. as, and then mm-hmm. Kingsley Benadir was credited as Ken. Uh, and then finally, Infinity Bro, Mark. Mark. Now, I, I know even, my honestly, answer. I know my answer for this, Holly, and I want okay. you to say it, but I'm going to let you choose. Okay. Thank you for letting me choose. I don't remember any more Ken. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I Suggest- was. Maybe a suggestion from. I have yeah, two. How about I it? have two. Here's, here's the routes you could go with, Mark. You could go with John Cena. Oh, John or, Cena? Or, Wait, he's a Ken? Yeah. He was a Ken. a Ken. Yes, he was. Oh, okay. Or you could have gone with the Barbie that may have not been, uh, may have been transgendered. I was just saying, that might have been a good answer, too. If I was Mark, Mark might have picked that if I was knowing Mark. Who is the trans Barbie? That was played by Hari Neff, accredited as Barbie. Where were they? As Barbie. They were, they were, in, the collect, they were in that collective Barbie group. Out with- uh, uh, the they were one of the Barbies that were, um, oh my goodness. Uh, the one that was giving the, the, her, when she had the flat feet, she had yeah. the flat feet. She was oh, the yeah. one doing she the most talking, that Barbie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought, I was like, oh, that'll be, somebody will make that joke or, that's clever, or I was though. like, that's the John Cena one was kind of, John to Cena's, me, the layup. I thought John Cena was coming up. The merman. Choice. Here's the merman. The merman is Zane. <laughs> yeah. Or not Zane. Like, well, I remember, he's going to be Zane. I remember months ago, we, we knew that John Cena was credited in this. We're like, what is, what is John he's Cena He just playing? pops up in every movie, I feel <laughs> sure. like. Somewhere. He is also credited as Ken in this movie. So <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. Want to make sure he gets that credit. We want to make sure the characters' names are correct. Thank you, um, Holly. I don't have Isaac's question. If I'm being honest with you, oh. uh, so I, Isaac was hoping I, you could. Ask I will that volunteer person. my own question here. So, so actually, kind of reversal there. Obviously, we are talking about the Barbie movie. What Barbie would you say you are? What Barbie am I? Yeah, that's a great question, Isaac. I would like to say I'm like Margot Robbie, but I think I am Kate McKinnon. <laughs> Weird Barbie. <laughs> I... <laughs> I mean, homegirl is just like on her own, in her own house with colorful things. I don't know. She's just like doing her own thing. She doesn't care. She's weird hmm. Barbie. Doesn't go along with the other Barbies. No. Yeah. And people come to her for, you know, help. I don't know. I feel I like. I kind of thought you were going to choose America Ferrera a little bit too. I love America. Oh, she was yeah. awesome. She's yeah. great. We're, we're going to talk monologue, about her monologue. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. I. It's the reason I think you can't review this movie without a female voice in it. I just don't mm. think you can. I don't think it works. No. In, it, wouldn't in hit, it wouldn't hit the same for Yeah, she's great man, in this movie. I don't think. She's yeah. tremendous. She's mm-hmm. tremendous. Well, I, uh, Holly, thank you for putting up with the shenanigans. You have survived the Infinity I love Gauntlet. that. Congratulations. And now you, audience, know her well. And you know Isaac probably a little better, too, now. Now you know who is keeping this guy in line behind the scenes because he is – a powder keg and the guy just is he goes off the handle too much so we got to make sure <laughs> he's got a somebody's so gotta, boisterous yeah. isaac is just so loud you know you just got to keep him in line absolutely <laughs> all right let's review barbie that's why you came here today it has been out for two weeks so forgive our delay on this we really wanted to make sure that everybody we needed to see this and oppenheimer could do it and so uh it, it, if you if you 
I don't know if anybody that's listening hasn't seen this movie, if I'm being honest. Uh, this comes from the direct.com. Uh, it was posted yesterday evening. Here is where Barbie's at in terms of box office records so far. It has the biggest box office opening of 2023. It has beaten Super Mario Brothers, which a lot of people didn't wow. think was going to happen in a three-day weekend. It's the biggest opening ever by a female director. It beat Captain Marvel. Wow. Um, which was uh, co-directed by Anna Bowden. Pause real quick. I think it, it's a travesty if they do a third Captain Marvel movie and Greta Gerwig's not asked to direct mm. it. I think she should be that should be her next film. Up the ante. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would choose her immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. Highest opening film for a non-sequel ever uh, wow. is is what this one's got. Ryan got Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie's uh, New World Record. Uh, they have never had a film open to more money at the box office. Wow. And I start with Ryan Gosling in that because of movies like La La Land. Mm that are very famous and won a lot of awards. Uh, it, 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 she is the star of this. And obviously she was in Suicide Squad as well, but he was also in Blade Runner 2049. So yeah. he's just got, I, I think he has more big movies than Robbie has recently. feels weird saying Robbie on this yeah. show and referring Margo. to Margot Robbie. doesn't feel right. It's a lot of Robbie. feels kind of messed up that she's got to share his name. feel bad for her. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Biggest opening for a toy-based film ever. It does beat Toy Story 4 during its oh. opening weekend, so which that Toy was Story. the most shocking stat to me. Well, Toy Story probably is pretty low because it was that was back when animated films didn't make a lot of money in theaters. Whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, 98, that's a good guess, Holly. I think that's around the time. I think it's 95. It's the first I don't know. Movie. Yeah, well, I think it's 98 because I'm just, I'm with Holly. It's 98. I could be wrong. I don't mind. Um, biggest opening for a movie ever without IMAX. Uh, beat Twilight Saga New Moon. Wow. Bless, I'm glad. That's, that's <laughs> insane. That is one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, did you go to that movie? I did. Um, unfortunately, did he go? Did Isaac go with you? <laughs> yeah, no, I know why oh you're asking God. me because no, yes, I got drugged to that too. That's that's why I ask. Sarah's like, and you're I coming. Don't, with I me. wouldn't go today. I would not go today. <laughs> well, of course, no, no, you're good. You don't have to apologize <laughs> for going to see it. Everybody saw see, it. The thing, the weird thing too, is that I don't even think we had seen the previous Twilight movies yes. in theaters. But we went to this one. Because it was a hype. It was like, Yeah, it was oh, like, Twilight. everybody was talking about it. Yeah. So it was weird. You know when you watch YouTube videos of like married couples giving advice? That's mm-hmm. how I feel right now. I feel like I'm talking to a married couple. It's like, look, guys, like, I wouldn't go to the Twilight movie. <laughs> Looking back on it, we Looking wouldn't back do that on in our it, marriage. It was a poor decision. No, I was like, no we love each other. Like, I feel like you guys are holding hands <laughs> off camera right now, and you're kind of like patronizing me a little bit with how I need to be better. If I could give any new married couple advice, it would be. <laughs> oh, man. Fourth biggest weekend ever. And keep in mind, Oppenheimer is in this conversation, guys. Mm. Uh, biggest first Monday at the box office for Warner Brothers ever. 26.2 wow. million ever ever it beat the dark night which had 24.6 wow. uh second biggest first monday for a non-holiday film biggest mm-hmm. second friday post covid wow uh biggest opening weekend for a warner brothers movie barbie's huge second weekend at the uh, domestic box office brought in almost 100 million that oh. edged barely uh super mario brothers by 1 million and so on and so forth i could go down the list but that is as of august 3rd records. At 830 wow. where this is at. So this this movie is essentially one of the biggest pop culture movies of all time. 
we haven't been able to review it in a while and that we're, we're excited to be here to do it. Well, Isaac and I, like when we went to the movie, it was sold out. People were getting turned away. This, this was, was the third This was week. Tuesday, right? Like this is this yeah. Tuesday and what, two weeks after release? Yeah. And it's it was sold out. And the yeah. little Delano theater that we go to, I mean, I've never seen that place so packed. It was yeah. it was crazy. We were not expecting that. I was definitely not expecting that. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, we had um, one of our um, youth group kids was there and she was trying to get tickets and they like were turning people away because mm-hmm. so many people showed up without. We bought ours ahead of time just because tickets. that's what we do. But yeah, yeah. it's not. So I think everybody tickets. thought that I. Right. And I know Robbie said he had the same experience too, and he just watched yeah, we it did like last week too. So mm-hmm. I I tried to get tickets for a six p.m. showing when I saw it opening night, and it was sold out. Yeah. Um, and I have a couple theaters around me, which because I'm in more of a suburb, so I've got more options. But for people like you and, and mm-hmm. Infinity Bro, Mark and Robbie, it's that was really tough. Yeah. Synopsis reads: Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. This is directed by Greta Gerwig, written by her as well as Noah Baumbach. Uh, we talked about Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Issa Rae, uh, Isaac Sheep. She was in Across the Spider-Verse. That's where we know mm-hmm. her from. Yep. Um, Kate McKinnon, Alexandria Ship, Emma Mackey. They all play Barbie as well as Hari Neff. We talked about her, the the transgender gal that was in it. Sharon Rooney plays Barbie as well as Anna Cruz Kane, uh, Ridu Arya. Dua Lipa, Nicola Coughlin, Emerald Fennell are all playing Barbie except for Emer- Emerald. She played Midge. Midge. Uh, Simu Liu, <laughs> Kingsley Benadir, Nakuti Gatwa, uh, Scott Evans, and John Cena all play Ken as well. And then uh, we talked about Alan, um, played by what's his name? Oh, he's an SNL. Uh, Michael Cera. No. Michael Cera, thank you. Thank yeah. you for. He's not an SNL person, is he? Thank you for helping uh, me. I don't think so. No, no, never mind. This is going to be a complete spoiler review, so we're going to put the spoiler bumper for that right here. This is. Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. <laughs> Warning. And if you've never been on our podcast or heard our podcast before, we want to make sure you're familiar with our rating system. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast. Everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible, and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an infinity step. All right, we're gonna start with you, Infi- uh, Holly. Infinity Infinity Bro, Bro, Holly. Might as well be yeah. the the backbone Thank of you. the Infinity Bro. Scott, Isaac. Scott, 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 Scott Higa always Bro. says that Holly is his favorite Infinity Bro. So yeah, yeah. well, she's all of ours now <laughs> after today. Holly, go ahead and give us your spoiler review as well as a rating of this Spoiler movie. review. Well, um, didn't know what to expect going into uh, the movie. Obviously, I knew it was a feminist movement movie, for lack of better words. But I just thought it was hilarious how they played on Will Ferrell and his little posse. We're all like running around everywhere like crazy, trying to get Margot Robbie, right? And they could not catch her. They just couldn't. And she ex- escaped and they couldn't get her. They couldn't escape because they needed the key card. They needed the key card. <laughs> she just jumps over and she's out. Paying homage to the fact that it takes only one woman to get the job <laughs> done. That's okay? what you took out of that. That's what That's, I took from well, it. And I love that. all these men I love it. can't do it. Okay, so women yeah. are extremely smart, as we know. 
and um, can think critically on the spot in high stress, high stress moments. I thought that was fun. And mentioning the patriarchy a lot was great. Shattering the glass ceilings. (laughs) Yeah. They mentioned that word quite a bit. Yeah, 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 they did. (laughs) Um, One thing that Isaac and I were talking like, okay, what makes this movie? Is it perfect? Six is like perfect, right? For the, for the infinity bro scale. Yeah. I don't don't know if I'd call it perfect. We've given a lot of sixes out on Well, this is what Isaac said to me. The six is like, six is like, as close as you can get. It's based on what you, it's your scale. It's not Isaac's scale. It's your scale. You want to give it a six, you you do it, Holly. (laughs) I thought there was some cheesy, like, okay, kind of went too long parts, like, Sure. Kens, all the Kens and their egos like fighting on the beach. I was like, okay. That's part of the movie right there. And maybe that was the point. Maybe it was like, oh gosh, like these stinking men and their egos fighting over their egos, whatever. And then That's at brilliant. the end, men- near the end, mentioning like getting back our autonomy and stuff like that. I was just like, I roll. Sure. I don't know. It was just kind of like, okay, that sounds preachy and like, oh, we had to put that word in there. But if I were to give sure. the um, rating, overall rating, I was thinking about, I think I'd give it a 5.5 okay. on the Infinity Bro scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I We're going to talk about all those things. We're, we were hoping to get this done in 40 minutes, but Isaac, I feel like we're going to go 45. That's what I'm feeling like. It might happen. 45 That's on okay. this one. Oppenheimer doesn't, I don't think, need as much time. I think this one's more important, Holly. Thank you. May I go next, Isaac? You may. Okay. You, are, you, you are Knuff, and you may go next. I am Knuff, so I will go next. <laughs> so last week on our episode, I had said I was sitting at a 4.3 out of 6, oh. and I've spent a little more time away from it, and I've, I've bumped it up a little bit, but not a ton. I'm sitting at a 4.8 now okay. out of okay. 6. Can't give it a 5, which is what I wanted to give it throughout the movie. Why can't you give it a 5? I really did. Well, here's some things. I This movie is very funny. You yes, you, you brought that up, Holly. This this movie is very well written by yes. Greta Gerwig. Yes. It is very funny. It is the set design is Oscar worthy. I don't know how set they they don't win an Oscar for their set. For sure. It felt like very I was watching nostalgic. two girls making this film is if as weird as that sounds. Like it felt like it yeah. was two maybe older elementary school girls are doing this film yes. and commentating on things in the world. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders if this is like some deep connection to the Lego movie, because I felt like this movie was Lego movie, Elf, and A League of Their Own. That was the combination I felt like when I watched this movie. The set design was similar to Elf. It was a female version of Elf. Mm. It was the Lego movie in the sense of the other world was just bombastic and Mm -hmm. a commentary on life and just so outrageous and also incredibly brilliant at the same time. Oh, yeah. We had seen it in the trailer, but the line that Ken's Ken's like he wants to come over and hang out, and she's like, "What do you want to do?" And he's like, "I have no idea." I I just loved the innocence of it. I thought Greta Gerwig really hit that well. But you kind of hit my main my main frustration with this movie, Holly, and it's it's not the message of patriarchy; it's the actual word patriarchy. Mm. The quantity that word is used mm. is preachy, yeah, and that's a problem for me in this because. Yep. I felt like Greta Gerwig laid it out perfectly. I did. I felt like she did not need no, to do it. I, I felt like needed. the dots were connected and I felt like she just kept beating the dead horse. And that really was, that took me out of it. Yeah. I thought, I thought the complete, well, it's funny to hear your perspective on the Will Ferrell scenes. Cause I felt like they were a waste of time, but actually <laughs> you just made, you just made my viewing experience better. Like you just saying that 
gave me great perspective of like, oh, that was the whole point of that scene. I that had never clicked to me. Yeah. I really appreciated your commentary you. on that. Thank so you. thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I think this movie is going to hold a place in people's hearts for a very mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. Because of the stuff we're going to talk about. But my two big gripes are the word patriarchy is way too much. For sure. Secondly, I despised the ending with Ken's saying, can we get a seat at the table? And the Barbies say no. And I was like, oh, Uh, so if the roles were flipped, you wouldn't do it. You're essentially making the point for the counter argument to feminism. That would have been a great moment for them to go. Yes. We're going to give you two or three seats, like barely more. But like we still would give you more. That would have been the ultimate home run to the message, in my opinion. Yeah. And I thought that was a big miss by Greta. I just. Her and I are just going to disagree on that. Yeah. But I totally echo what you say, Holly. I think a lot of the stuff you say is completely fair. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this, I told Isaac, I said, this is the, the thing I love about this movie is I can't fully tell if this is making fun of feminism or if it's celebrating feminism. Mm-hmm. And right. that's kind of why I say it's both, incredibly right? well written. Go ahead, Isaac. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I talk a lot. Well, yeah. can I say something quick? Yeah, go for it. So I was going to say, going into the movie, one thing I was like, I'm not going to like this movie if it completely bashes men the whole time and then Mm -hmm. because men are extremely valuable so i was like okay if we're just like you know bashing men and then we continue to do that it's not going to be a good movie in my opinion so the fact in the end there was some of that in the movie right like no ken stop like no and all this stuff and then at the end when they were talking and um she was like i'm sorry how i treated you and every night didn't have to be a sleepover like Hmm. we could have hung out and whatever so i thought that was good that they put that in there like i'm sorry i didn't need to but i forget about the end scene with the 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 seating max when you say that so i'm bummed to hear you say that because Mm -hmm. i thought i want to talk about the the rant and we'll get to that after isaac i want to talk about the rant and i want to talk about the scene where margot robbie is with ruth because mm-hmm. as a Christian, I really felt like that scene, there's a lot I can take away from that. For and I want to sure. come back to that. So Isaac, go ahead. I want to give you your moment too. Yeah. Um, I would say a lot of the same things that you guys have been saying. I gave it a five out of six. I thought it was hilarious, really funny, and pretty much the same thing. There were a few moments where it got a little preachy. And, you know, it's a it's a satire movie. It is supposed to be on the nose. But I, even with that, I felt there were some moments that were a little too on the nose. Like they were really, really, really trying to drive that point home. And it was just like, okay, you could have probably let off the gas a little bit on a few of those moments. And, and that, that specifically that you mentioned, Max is one thing that I um, remember thinking too, was that like in that moment is like, really, you just went through this whole movie where uh, Margot Robbie's like the other world sucks because women have no power. And then you come back to your world, restore mm-hmm. it to the Barbies mm-hmm. and then give Ken no power right. again. You know, right. it's just yeah. like, That's okay. Exactly. Uh, I didn't really. After you watched him go through all that, yeah. you recognized it and apologized. Right. Yes. Exactly. And the apology, that was great. You know, it was cool that she yeah. acknowledged that she was doing that, but yeah. then, for the the whole like Supreme Court thing to be like, yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. So just yeah, it's a little yeah. little yeah. bit of a bummer. But overall, just phenomenal movie. It's it was hilarious again. Gre- and like you said, Max, Greta Gerwig. I mean, we got to get her in on some of these female led superhero mm-hmm. movies for sure. She's she, she the great. and male led superhero movies. Yeah, male. There yeah. you go. Right. I I think Greta Gerwig too. 
I think she deserves a, a best director nomination mm. at the Oscars for this. Absolutely. I think she really she crushed will. this, and I, yeah. I am very impressed with her, and I'm very impressed that she's like, I'm not making a second Barbie movie. I was like, wow. Good. I mean, she came out. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless. What a smart person. Yeah, I just, I think she's great. We got a lot of things to talk about here. Let's talk about the America. Mm-hmm. Oh, forgive her last, forget her last name. Thank you, America Ferrera monologue. Mm. So we get this build up in this movie. We find out that Barbie's person is America Ferrera's character. You talked about how much you loved her at the beginning of this episode, Holly. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that that dialogue, that monologue that I think will go down in cinematic history? I yes. think that is an all timer. Yes, that was. I know as I was listening to the monologue, there were so many things that I related to as a woman, you know, like, oh, you have to be perfect, but it's not perfect enough. If you do what they, you know, just it was as a mother, as a woman, as all these things, it definitely talked about body image and um, all those things that women struggle with. And I think that it hit all the points, what women kind of go through in the workplace everyday Mm -hmm. life and i think those that was a very important thing to put in this movie specifically yeah it just highlighted a lot of things for me so i was i love i loved it did you get emotional watching it (laughs) no no but it was more like it was like you know like yeah 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 you you power to the people yeah i'm the emotional one yeah this relationship watching movies (laughs) Again, I feel like I'm back to a YouTube channel about a married couple here. I'm just like learning about marriage here. That's hilarious. Okay, Holly, follow-up question then to that. Hypothetically, you're somebody that's listening to this, and your <laughs> fear is this movie is way too political. This movie mm. is way too feministic for me. Mm. I've got some problems with that uh, ideology. Why is this scene so important, and what separates that from – the issues that people have with the feministic approach that are on a different side of the aisle per se. I'll leave it vague intentionally. Yeah. It can be intimidating for sure to like think, Oh gosh, I don't know if I agree because when you think feminism, especially like in Christianity, it's like, Oh, that means that we are, we're bashing men and it like, it's not supposed to be that way. People have made it that way Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be that way. So rephrase the question again because i lost well just if you're if you're talking to someone that has heard about this movie there's no major spoilers i think for this movie if i'm being honest with you there's nothing that you're going to hear secondhand that's going to ruin going to see it no but this scene in particular Mm -hmm. is in my opinion one of the leverage points of of this movie yeah what are you going to say to somebody in particular maybe a man that like is really against these kinds of views to Mm. uh, persuade him Mm. Potentially her too, but right. specifically that audience, I think, is a bigger listener on our show to come see this film and to yeah. consider watching it and just learn it. Yeah, for sure. I think I think you said it there, just like learning. It's a it's from a woman's perspective, and I think women don't really necessarily outwardly say what our perspective is or can put it into words what our perspective is just because it's like, oh, I have so many things in my head. And she basically said whatever is in my head all the time Hmm. and I think it's important for men to hear just because I think like I was talking to my dad like he's like I'm just sitting back and learning so that I can understand why people react the way they do and why people have the emotions they do because then then I'll be like oh yeah I I get why she's acting that way because xyz so I think it's important to definitely listen to that monologue just because hot dog you know 
Sure. I I just felt watching it. I was like, oh, this is a great way to articulate this without. Yeah. That was the way that I wanted them Greta to talk yeah. about this. I didn't want her to use the word patriarchy over and over. Right. I wanted her to do it through this. This was the best way to do it. It yes. was, hey, this is my experience. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And this movie does push against a key piece of feminism at times, which mm-hmm. is don't consider sacrificing. Do things for yourself. Don't get married or have kids. Right. This movie really pushes back on it up till the very last joke of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really appreciated that yeah. for that scene. That's why that scene gets enhanced because it's yeah. there's a motherhood piece to it too, Holly. Yeah. yeah. I felt that. Isaac, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, it was it was really powerful. And I really thought it was cool how, like you said, it they didn't just like kind of shoehorn this into the movie just because it's a feminist movie. Like this was a part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Like she said this and then it woke these Barbies up to mm-hmm. like, Hey, Oh, wh- what's Ooh, happening yeah. right now. And then, so she kept saying that to the mm-hmm. other Barbies. And I was, I thought that was really cool. That was like, they Reality wove this check. into the movie so well mm-hmm. that it wasn't like a, Oh, okay. Here's the feminist part. Right. You know, it was, it's just part of the movie. It's, it's just what it is. So I thought it was really well done. And, you know, I, I think that, like you said, this is a cin- cinematic piece of mm-hmm. history, basically, that hopefully we'll we'll see some really cool um, things out of. So, well, because you you get to you get to know her character, too, like throughout the whole movie, like what she's yeah. going through with her daughter. And, and I think people connect with her because of that. And so then, yeah, like you said, it wasn't like the feminist monologue. It was just her monologue as a person. So right. I felt that she could have said it in a bad way. That's what I'll say. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, that scene could have been done really, it it could have really shut me out and been like, all right, I'm done with this. It had to be tackled. It's not that way. It was portrayed very, very authentically. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was looking for. And what this movie really did that I really, really appreciate, Holly, is Mm -hmm. embrace motherhood and embrace the moms out in the audience. It was embracing the moms that are grinding. Mm. The reason I ask about if I got emotional, I got emotional. Yeah, I teared up because I thought of my wife yeah. and I thought of my daughter because yeah. in my head, I was like, oh, that that is what Sarah tries to say sometimes. Is, yep. And I'm not speaking for her, but I know that yeah. Sarah works her tail off. Yeah. And I know that Sarah is she has always come back to a theme at times of yeah. I wish that I felt like I was enough. And she yeah. is. Yeah. Others know this, but it's difficult for her to feel that. Yes. And so I felt like America Ferreira's dialogue was was specifically written. Yeah. I felt like it was a great scene for me as a husband. I felt like I fell more, more in love with my wife. That's yeah. what I And I would say it from a Christian perspective. I'm not – I think right. there's some people out there that are like feminism's the worst, yada, yada. Yeah. And there's other people that are like feminism's the only thing we should do. And I, right. I don't think it's either of those sides, guys. Right. That's maybe what I would yep. tell people going into this. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the scene at the end with Ruth showing her a life that she could have. How did that scene hit for you, Holly? Talk to us about uh, the scenes of different women at different stages of life from girl to old uh, women, that yeah. flash scene. Uh, how did that scene go for you as a woman watching this movie? Yeah. Um, one one scene I'm thinking of is because you know how Margot Robbie was always thinking about death <laughs> there for a while. And then she sat next to an older woman and she just looked at her. And was just amazed and told her she was beautiful. Mm-hmm. She'd never seen one. Right. An old woman before. Right. Yeah. Everyone, you know, it was just like this plastic world. Everyone was young and she thought it was beautiful. So I think it's really cool how people look down upon the young as well as old. So I think it's 
really important that we see like, oh, we can learn a lot from, you know, older, older folks and they are beautiful no matter if their skin's wrinkly and, but the scene that you're specifically talking about, I'm trying to think of. No, I, that connect, when that Ruth connected is like perfectly. She came at the end mm-hmm. and she was like basically walking arm in arm with Margot Robbie. Oh, and, and the white, her. it was like, the it, was a, white. it was like a flashback. It almost looked like flashbacks, yeah. but it was like kind of showing her what her life could be like, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, giving showing her feeling, and I think the reason I wanted to ask you first, but I think your connecting point was great, okay. Holly, because that was like the introduction to that, right? Early in the movie, right. I, I think just for me, the theme of I was made for something. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Right. I mean, this yeah. this so good. I think there's there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of churches or like organizations that are gonna do like a Barbie theme church thing. And it's, and that's, Barbie that's theme really, BBS next year. It's really. It's it's, it's stupid, guys. That's stupid. Don't do that. But I will say that that scene and the music in particular of of what am I created for? Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to be? Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to be doing? Man, I thought that was great. And I felt like Greta was really wrestling with that herself when she wrote this. Mm -hmm. And as a Christian, I was like, oh, that's an easy point for me to point somebody to. And I thought it was just one of those moments in cinema that really apexed well. And that's why I think this movie is a must-see for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's a must-see. And I think that's why so many people are going to see it. Mm-hmm. Because it's channeling, challenging that inner conflict. And I don't think there's a single woman that can walk out of this movie and not go, I've thought that about at least one thing in this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I just don't think it's possible from what I'm hearing and from the perspective. I think the writing could be better. But the overall film, yeah. man, in a Barbie movie, it's crazy. It's crazy that it is in a Barbie movie. There were a bunch of women in there, too, that were middle-aged or or older because they barbie came out in 59 so it was like yeah when they started playing with barbies they were little girls and i'm sure there was just so much nostalgia with that i know there was nostalgia with me with like mermaid barbie and like barbie's dream house and like just all these things so i think that was another connection of just like you know the feel good like oh that's i felt nostalgia with with ken's mojo dojo casa house even though i've never (laughs) seen it before i mean i did not i felt zero nostalgia and (laughs) i wanted one (laughs) holly would i mean for comic book fans you watch these movies and you look for easter eggs did you feel like there were easter eggs in the background of this as somebody who was an avid fan of barbie down uh, early in life (laughs) Easter eggs remind me what that like is. like where like you talked about like specific set designs of specific mm-hmm. houses like were you watching that as somebody who played with Barbie's going oh I remember that yes. like is something in the background absolutely okay uh huh yeah like uh the houses were all open like that they weren't like mm-hmm. closed there was a lot of like closed but then you open it and it it's all sure. you know the dollhouse yeah like the dog. The pooping dog. Sure, sure. Oh gosh, there were so many, and I loved the end credits when it was like Showing looking at all, all the, the dis- Barbies. Yeah, and the discontinued like Midge and just, sure, it was funny just to be like, oh my goodness, what were they thinking? Video Barbie, just <laughs> yeah. But there were dolls I had, and so that was that was really cool to, for that piece for the nostalgia part. We're running out of time because we do want to get to our Oppenheimer one, uh, but mm-hmm. I want to highlight Margot Robbie, actress. Yes your guys' thoughts on her in this film? 
I mean, is there anyone else that could have played Barbie? Like, yeah, I just... that's one thing that we mentioned was that like if somebody else was casted as Barbie in that main role, I don't know if this mm. movie would have done as well. Like, like even when she, she was did... supposed to be ugly and crying and damaged, she was yeah. still gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The fact that yeah. they put in that like narrator note or whatever <laughs> narrator note, like if you want someone to be ugly, don't cast Margot Robbie. Like, yeah, 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 right, right, right. No, I think she she had to cry a lot. She had to mm-hmm. like big, huge smile. Like, I. I think she was perfect and did a very good job. I think this movie is going to be in a lot of Oscars and I think she might get a nod. Oh, she, she might better. get put in that best actress category. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken. Yeah. Isaac, you, you're, you appear obsessed with, with this guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was hilarious. I, I liked him a lot. I hated you're basically the same person. It was so the shake. The bleach yeah. hair just drove me crazy, but. The, know. the rivalry with him and Simu Liu was. Yeah, and and the horse, the horse illustration of that. Oh, okay, okay. One line I do want to mention that is was low key hilarious was when I think he's in the. But this is right before Barbie like gives him her apology. Like he's in the bedroom and he's like laying on the bed and he's like, after I learned that the patriarchy wasn't didn't have anything to do with horses, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he just heard that he it saw cops didn't have anything to do with horses, and he's like, I, yeah, I don't want it. I don't want it. Well, that was it. <laughs> was it doesn't include horses. I don't want it. Brilliant. <laughs> so good. Oh gosh, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I thought oh, Gosling. Look, he did a phenomenal. Say job. what you want, but his performance is desperately needed in this film for it to work. Oh yeah. And He's right. so good. It's important. And he understood the assignment. Yes, and I felt like him and Margot Robbie really gave it was like if Elf had two characters that mm. were crazy in that movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I felt like they both did a great job with that. I really yeah, I loved his performance. Uh, Kate McKinnon too. Oh, I forgot about those. <laughs> yeah, she was so she was wild. Issa Rae was hilarious. Simu Liu, we talked about him as well. Michael Sarah, uh Alan. Alan. I, I Honestly, that's another part that dropped my rating in this film was I felt like they were trying to make a point with him and it just never that's came across. That's very true that you say that. Yeah. Didn't like him. The other thing that this movie really crushed, and I know you two will appreciate this, is dance choreography. Oh, Hollywood it was so nice. fun. It was so fun. It was like back to Ryan Gosling's like Mouseketeer days, like dancing. Yeah. Oh man, it was so and I, fun. I've seen a lot because we've since Simu Liu has been cast as Shang Chi in, in Marvel. Like we've been following him like relatively close. And before this movie premiered, he showed a lot of his like practicing mm. his choreography he and stuff flips. like that. Yeah, I mean, like dude is super He's athletic, athletic and, yeah. and he, him along with all the other dudes and women in this movie just killed it with the choreography. Like it was, it was phenomenal. <laughs> that first scene uh where they're at the dance party yeah. or whatever and barbie casually mentions oh we're just gonna have a pre-choreographed dance party at my house just like so casually. they're all there and they're just you know just going for it and then uh. and then ryan gosling comes in and he's just like kind of like sulking at the side and then he just decides i'm gonna do it too so he goes in there and just yeah just starts dancing the same they're moves as everybody cups else too. <laughs> empty cups oh my gosh yep. yeah the, the whole the food the shower yeah. some, all that. some phenomenal bits that that mm. greta yeah really good bits yeah really really good mm-hmm. bits yeah yeah i uh th- that's our that's our rating of it we'll uh definitely put out more ratings later this is going to be the end of the first half of our show we're going to transition over to oppenheimer and reintroduce with robbie 
But uh, it, Holly, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. And you can't represent every woman. We don't want that. No. And we're not claiming you are. No. But we certainly believe that you gave some great perspective. So thanks thank for, for coming on. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate that. Thanks, guys. And Isaac, I guess you're Ken now. You are the Ken. We need I, to get everyone I am Knuff shirts. Yeah. People yeah. have made them already. <laughs> oh, yeah. And People I'm Kingsley Benadir. That's what I've learned today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I learned. I'm a backup Ken. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I like where I'm at. All right, good. I like my role here. So <laughs> thanks, Holly, again. And yeah. we'll transition over to Oppenheimer. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, welcome back to the second round of our Barbenheimer episode. A little late. Last week, we recorded the Barbie episode. Uh, so we're coming back about six days later to talk about Oppenheimer. I am your host again, Max Mosier, as I talked about at the top of the show. But with me now is my co-host and TikTok, uh, Instagram extraordinaire, Robbie Sauter. Robbie, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Um, a lot of people don't even know that I'm in a podcast. They just think I'm the guy that plays Magic the Gathering on TikTok. Well, you do both. There's nothing wrong with doing both. We try our best. I don't yeah. Know. It's a balance. It's about sure. 80. 20. Yeah. Well, in our audience, as they're listening, this is going to be the second half. So we're not going to do introductions. We're not going to do rating systems, things like that. They've already heard that for Barbie. Oh, good. And they've already heard Isaac and Holly's thoughts. So I uh, hope you liked it. Uh, shout out to Holly one more time for coming on and being with us. We're, we're grateful. She was able to. How, how uh, unhinged was she mama halls at all? Or was she just a. Uh... Holly the whole time. That's so funny because for the listeners, this is like five, 10 minutes ago this ended. Not even. Right. This is like two minutes ago this ended. Yeah, no, she was great. She was dynamite. Uh, I thought her perspective was great. Honestly, I think we could have gone with just her and me. Oh, so Isaac was, was pointless. Yeah, he, he just was there. I mean, you know are him. We, he, he, are, he we, are we cutting Isaac out from podcasting? He can just edit from now on? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hmm. And and we talked about it last week, but I guess we'll say here, this is going to be for uh, the indefinite future. Uh, I'll be taking a leave of absence. Uh, got a fresh new job and I'm super excited about it, but it's going to take me a little away from a podcasting experience. I'm hoping to revisit back in January and see what I can give. But for now, uh, this is where we're at. So this is going to be my last one, Robbie. So I'm really excited. But I got to tell you, Robbie, if there's a dynamic movie to talk about, it could be Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is... Uh... A really good movie to go out on like kind of going out with a uh some might say a bang there it is yeah i laid there it up is. for you i thought about saying it but i felt like you should have that you uh you Dwayne wade lebron <laughs> I, I totally did i opened my arms yeah <laughs> i'm sure that'll be a good meme later um oppenheimer has been out for several weeks as, as many of you have known it's been going against barbie and before we get into the synopsis we talked about barbie obviously at the top of the show but robbie do you think barbie hurt oppenheimer's viewing experience in regards to money generated or do you think the audience that was going to go see it regardless saw it because of barbie we're about two and a half weeks removed since it was released i think that barbie actually enhanced the money-making ability that oppenheimer had i think the people that were going to go see oppenheimer were going to go see it regardless but it became a a social bit to see barbie and oppenheimer in the same weekend and I bet a lot of those people that wanted really wanted to go see Barbie probably weren't also really like chomping at the bit to see Oppenheimer. Sure. So I think I think it helped Oppenheimer and it, it did fairly well in the box office, I think. Yeah, it, it has. It's done well. It hasn't done Barbie numbers. It's not going to break a billion. But I don't think that's why people go to Nolan movies, right? Obviously, this is directed and written by Christopher Nolan. Uh, Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin get writing credit as well. Uh, Killian Murphy 
is in this, as well as Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Alden Ironrick, uh, Scott Grimes, Jason Clark was in this, mm-hmm. Robbie. Roger Robb is the role he plays. That blindsided me. Had no clue he was going to be in this movie. There's a lot of uh, actors in this movie that I'm just kind of like, oh, he's in this. And then, yeah, then you just, I, throughout the movie, you're just constantly going, oh, he's yeah, in this list, too. Like, the list keeps going. Uh, yeah. Tony Goldwyn uh, is in this. He plays Gordon Gray. James Darcy is in this. Uh, Macon Blair is in this. Kenneth Branagh shows up as Niels Bohr in this. Uh, Harry Grainer shows up in this. Ted King is in this. Uh, Josh Peck is in this. He doesn't. He's not on the IMDb for some reason. Well, these but. are like the top cast. Let's go deep into the archives here. I, I like all the additional casts that don't get the uh, the big I mean, names Florence on here. Pugh isn't even technically a top cast member, and we're going to talk specifically about her. I feel like a little later. Jack Quaid isn't on there. He's been talked hmm. about in a lot of circles as an up and comer. Uh, as of late, uh, Mr. Rami Malik plays David Hill. That one threw me for a loop. And, and he didn't talk much, but his role right. was very important. It was huge. Yeah. Uh, Casey Affleck plays Boris Pash. That was a really fun reveal. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman playing Harry Truman was the ultimate like. Was that Gary Oldman? Are, you, sure? Are you serious? I am dead serious. Oh, God. Oh, he Oldman is? Right out the gate. Uh, That's crazy. I talked about Robert Downey Jr., but I felt like his role as Louis Strauss in particular was just remarkable. And we're going to get into all that here in a bit. But, uh, Robbie, you've been on the record in our social circles. And we talked about this in Barbie a little bit is you've said that this is one of the best movies you've ever seen. Yeah. You've had two weeks to digest it since you saw it and said that. Uh, I believe the quote you had was, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's the best movie you've ever seen, at least the best Nolan movie, maybe the best movie you've ever seen. Where are you standing today a couple weeks removed from it, and what's your rating of this movie? So people, the people that have listened to the show or or just know me in general know that The Dark Knight is my, is my end, I'll be out, is my number one movie of all time. Needless to say, Christopher Nolan is very high up there on my favorite directors of all time. Oppenheimer challenged that narrative. Thinking back on it, I I think I think I would still take Dark Knight. I think Dark Knight resonates with me and who I am because of the Batman and the Joker and all that. That still resonates with me. Like even to this day, I can watch that movie and it's still incredible to me. But man, Oppenheimer was really, really freaking good. I don't know. I don't have a top list to rate it right now. I, it would still be behind the Dark Knight, so it's probably still a top three movie for me. Wow. Uh, my second favorite Nolan film, um, and Nolan has some absolute bangers, but this movie is far and away one of the easiest sixes I've ever given. Probably the easiest wow. six I've ever given for the Infinity Bros. Like I walked out of it just like that is the perfect movie for me. Hmm. So because Christopher Nolan to me is just what Zack Snyder wishes he was like he does all the dark stuff but does it well he doesn't like Zack Snyder really wants to do it well but Christopher Nolan actually does it well and knows how to tell a story with the imagery and and the sound and the cinematography he does all of that so well uh not I don't know why we had I had to go into hating on Zack Snyder but that's just part of the bit Zack Snyder wishes he was Christopher Nolan this is a comic book podcast. I mean, we talked about a lot of comic book stuff, obviously, <laughs> and uh, you know, you love DC, so I, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think, given everything that's happened recently with DC, I think you're allowed a jab or two. Thank you. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about this, but a six from Robbie. 
I did. I agree with a lot of what you say about Nolan. By the way, there's one thing I disagree with you on, and that's actually going to come up in my review on this: is sound Ooh. editing. I think that's his one area that he lacks significantly in comparison to the rest of his abilities and his strengths behind the camera. Obviously he's tremendous storytelling. He's remarkable. You could reference pretty much any of his movies and go, yep, here's a great storytelling opportunity. Hey, if you're a film student that wants to study the genre, pop in memento, pop in tenant, pop in um, all these different kinds of films that he's made. I I think sound editing is a challenge for him. Uh, I I think back to interstellar for me personally, that, that felt just off to me. Obviously the, Music was off, knock your socks off. But um, I felt like the sound in this was a little weird too. It's similar to the the third uh, Batman with with Bane's voice. I know there was Dark issues Knight in Returns, that. Yeah, yep. that's an aside about Christopher Nolan. I think he's dynamite as well. I'm not speaking ill. It's just my one like kind of. That's gripe. been a no. That no. That's a that's a legit thing because I've heard people complain about the sound. And maybe my theater just has a really good sound because there was people that complained about like uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse having really bad sound too. Oh, it's it was the same issue, same theater for me. Really? So, so I, that's I, yeah. and that's so it's it must be whatever system that those theaters are using because I I didn't have any issue with uh, speaking about both no, movies. And it's fine because I've heard the same complaint from different people. Right. So that's the only thing I would say I would refute you on. I don't I don't think it's maybe your theater is just really great. Maybe that's well, that's what I'm saying. Issue. Like maybe my theater just like went all out on sound because I I, I didn't have any issues with both of them, but you that's just my experience. Not Yeah. I, I think I'd only push back on interstellar just because I'm like interstellar was, was, was a miss for me in, in that phase of the film, everything mm. else I really liked. I'm going to give this a 5.5 out of six. I really like <gasps> this movie a lot, Robbie. I think it's really great. 5.5 on our scale is still a very strong rating, by the way, guys. No, I, my <laughs> big issue with this one is the Florence Pugh stuff, if I'm being transparent. I think the quantity of her being nude was a problem in this. It was really odd for Nolan. He's not known for that kind of decision making. Right. I understood what he was trying to st- say, but it felt to me in bad taste to use essentially Oppenheimer's major quote of I am destroyer of worlds and have that be in that scene. Mm-hmm. artistically it was a choice that Nolan made when he wrote this I just don't like it and that's just me I think it's I think it's bad taste I think it's unnecessary well that was I'll chime in on that because that was the first thing I said out of the theater was that this movie was almost perfect besides probably too much nudity I, I think I, I think the end scene when he's being interrogated and they throw her in there that was impactful. That was the one I was like, okay, that one I get because mm-hmm. he feels undressed in that scene. His wife is clearly thinking of that scene that way. Like that actually made sense. The rest of it, you're just like, okay, you could have just shot this differently and you didn't have to have all the nudity. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think of the scene when he goes back to her halfway through and mm-hmm. before she passes. Yeah. And they're just sitting in chairs. Like I, eh, that's that so, was just so unnecessary. Yeah, it was unnecessary. It was odd. And it, it felt a little fetishy to me. It felt like Nolan was kind of doing that a little for himself. And I just didn't like it. It took me out of the movie. And this is the for some people, it will be, oh, you just don't like this. Yada, yada, yada. It's like, yes, sure. but it took me out of the movie. I did not need that. The film was impactful. You can still do those scenes without that imagery right it's like like yeah. we didn't know what they were gonna do when they went to that hotel it's like everyone knew it was happening oh we didn't need like oh she's naked now it's like oh they must have yeah. had sex no we knew that they had sex that wasn't yeah. a surprise i agree 
And I, I think that's that's to me why that rating is so much lower. And the sound, I'll, I'll say it again. I think the sound quality wasn't amazing at times in this. And I think that's Nolan's biggest deficit as a, as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He's obviously one of the all-time greats. Uh, but uh, even Tenet, one of my favorite movies from Nolan, actually, I'd put it in my top three personally. That movie suffers tr- drastically from sound editing issues. Tenet, is the, Tenet was the one I was thinking of when you brought up the, the sound quality because Tenet is very difficult to understand when everything is happening all at yeah. once. They don't do a very good job of like explaining who we need to pay attention to. It's 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 an over it's a sensory overload, basically it cranks up the music, which I like. Yeah. Just crank up the voices too. We, we I don't mind it being loud. Just make sure everything everything is equally loud. Right. A couple things about this movie before we kind of break it down. So five point five for me, six for for you. Uh, in order for the black and white sections of this movie to be shot in the same quality as the rest of the film, Kodak actually developed the first ever black and white film stock for IMAX, hmm. uh, specifically for Christopher Nolan. Duh, that's the layup decision by them. Great job. Right. <laughs> Matt Damon was on a break from acting as a promise to his wife with one condition: it would go on hold. If the Christopher Nolan called and sure enough, <laughs> he called for the role of he Leslie called. Groves, uh, which I think, in my opinion, I would call a great role for Damon long term. Yeah, um, I think it was a great choice for him to come into this. I think he played that role really well. On December tw- uh, 16th, tw- 2022, J. Robert Oppenheimer's security clearance was posthumously reinstated by the United States Department of Energy almost 70 years after it was first revoked by its predecessor, the Atomic Energy Commission. Speaking of the New York Times, Kai Bird, co-author of American Prometheus, the Pulitzer Prize winning biography on Oppenheimer's life, which this inspired this movie, Mm -hmm. it reflected on the flawed security hearing that happens in this movie. Uh, The push from the scientific community to restore Oppenheimer's clearance and the energy department's decision saying, I'm overwhelmed with emotion, he said, history matters. And what was done to Oppenheimer in 1954 was a travesty, a black mark on the honor of the United States. Students of American history will now be able to read the last chapter and see what was done to Oppenheimer in that kangaroo court. Proceeding was not the last word. Uh, when in the bunker, Oppenheimer says that he'll they'll know if the atomic bomb is successful in one hour and 58 minutes. The bomb goes off in the movie at exactly one hours and 58 minutes <laughs> because it's Christopher Nolan. Why wouldn't that happen? Right. The Trinity detonation scene uses a combination of practical effects and digital composition Multiple expositions were explosions, excuse me, were performed practically with a hybrid of gasoline, propane, aluminum, magnesium substances involving essentially big miniatures. Uh, they were filmed at high mm. speeds with multiple angles and then layered using digital effects to create the mushroom cloud that you see in the iconic uh, bomb scene halfway through the film. I want to go through this by character, Robbie. Because I think that's the best way to kind of handle it. And if you want to bring up some scenes along the way, we'd be happy to talk about those. Sure. But Killian Murphy, let's start with him, who has essentially worked with Nolan several times up to this point. He plays J. Robert Oppenheimer. Everyone's touting praises on this guy. Do you have anything to say differently about him other than what we've heard so far? The only thing I'd say is Killian Murphy has quietly, I feel like, put together an incredible acting career. He, he's been in so many good movies and he it doesn't feel like he's wasted his time. Like you, you brought up Matt Damon. Matt Damon has made some terrible films, hmm. like films that nobody saw. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a stain on his career. Like, I can't think of a Killian Murphy's movie that is like, that's total garbage. Why did he waste his time? Like sure. he, he's done his time in Peaky Blinders, which is really good. He He's he's stuck with Nolan. 
through a lot of different projects. Like Killian Murphy has put together an all time acting career. And I think, I think it's going pretty quietly. I don't think people are talking about it. I, I would call it underrated. I don't know if I'd call it all time. I think a quiet place too is another one we we would want to reference. You talked about Nolan films. He's been in, but Dunkirk, obviously mm-hmm. uh, he plays a role in that free fire. He's in that as well. In the heart of the sea, uh, transcendence was a kind of a miss, but he's in that one. Uh, we talked about all the, the Batman movies in time. He's in that as well. Um, in that movie, he plays the, uh, the main antagonist. I don't know the antagonist's name at the top of my head, but I know he's been in that movie. I'm going to talk more. I think about Robert Downey Jr. In this movie than I am about Killian Murphy, because I feel like everyone, and their mom's talking about Killian Murphy, but Killian Murphy, man is, is going to get a nod at, at, at the Oscars and it's well-deserved here. Sure. He transforms himself. He does a tremendous job. His work with his eyes, what separates him as an actor from everybody else, I think is his eyes. He, his eyes. Yep. He's able to convey emotions that other people don't with their eyes in the same position that he does. <laughs> and yep. so I really like that part, the intense zoom ins that Nolan makes the choice of the extreme zoom ins that he does. He's very intentional with that with Killian. And I felt that Killian really crushed it at all the big apex moments. The scene of him realizing that Florence Pugh's character died was a great example mm-hmm. where he's out in the forest and his and, and Kitty Oppenheimer's telling him to get it together he doesn't say much there with words but he's saying a lot with what he's doing right and uh, when you have an emily blunt on the opposite side of him or a matt damon on the opposite side of him or essentially like even the the scenes in the kangaroo court with jason clark and other other these other actors i think he really crushes it here robbie and and it's a six out of six for his performance no question and uh, i'm excited to see him in the oscars I don't know if he'll win it. There's a lot of great movies this year. This is a big year. Yeah, this is a really, really big year. And I just don't know if he did enough to win best actor. I'm trying to think who would take it from him because there's been a lot of good movies. But how many other great performances have there been is what I'm I'm thinking about. I think Robert Downey Jr. is a shoe in for best supporting. I'm sure you're going to get to that. Sure. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Emily Blunt even has a chance, probably. Sure. Sure. I I think Emily Blunt will be in that conversation. I think for me, I watched this and went, wow, Robbie Downer Jr. really just put an all-time performance together. I'm just going to actually transition to him. I think this is the best film he's ever done. Uh, I'll I'll go that far. I... He is Iron Man and and we're a comic book, comic film podcast. So like at the end of the day, when Robert Downey Jr. passes and people celebrate him, he's going to be remembered as Iron Man. He's not going to be remembered as Louis Strauss. That being so it's going to go it's going to go Iron Man, Louis Strauss, uh, then Dr. John Doolittle. No, then the the role he plays in the judge, by the way, underrated movie. Uh, six out of six movie uh, would be that movie. For it me. won't be shush. It won't be the judge. judge. It'll be Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> well, if, if you want a great movie, go see the or judge. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder actually would be another one. For that. You're right. <laughs> um, no, I thought I thought RGJ crushed this. I I was taken aback by how amazing he was, how different he was. Um, I watched an interview with him where he talked about how. Nolan essentially took away all his strengths in filming because, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is charismatic. He's charming. He's funny. He's got an ego. And he said, hold the ego, but be soft spoken and be calculated. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was opposite of RDJ's kind of skill set of quips and things like that. That really made him who he was in Iron Man, but also in roles like The Judge and Tropic Thunder. And I think Robert Downey Jr. turned in an all time performance. I think Nolan 
clearly, clearly pushed the right buttons with him. It was evident that his direction really helped RDJ crush this role. And I didn't know what this stuff, Robbie, I didn't know this stuff about Louis Strauss. I didn't know that this happened to Oppenheimer. I knew nothing about the story. Me either. And so that was essentially a historic twist that I felt was so impactful. And because I think like a majority of audiences, and I think this is going to be another piece of feedback that people will give is I thought this was going to build up to the explosion. And then 20 minutes later, the movie would be done. Right. That's not at all what this movie was. And um, I really appreciated his antagonistic role. And even as far as how Einstein's portrayal was in this, I think Einstein had a massive role to play. And, and people I, were so excited for Einstein in this movie. Well, I think Einstein's the most famous scientist of all time. Oh, for right? sure. I, I mean, sure. he has to be. So I think that, oh, by the way, uh, Tom Conti played Albert Einstein. Yeah, uh, so Tom, Conti, Tom Conti right now. Tom Conti, you'll remember, is from the third Batman film. Yes. He plays the old man that encourages Bruce Wayne to get out of the pit. Well, so you, you talk about a guy with range. That guy's got range. That guy. Yeah, I think RDJ really, I think this was, Nolan deserves a ton of credit here because I think RDJ made it very clear in interviews that Nolan pushed him in this, but uh, this is a very new role and, and I couldn't have seen a guy like this in it. What do you think? I just spoke a ton. Forgive me. No, no, no. You're right on the ball there. Robert Downey Jr. put in probably his best performance of all time in terms of acting. You're right. It won't be what he's remembered for. He'll always be remembered as Iron Man. But this this one might be the one that gets him the Academy Award, because uh, uh, as far as I know, he does, Marvel doesn't have any any for them, do they? They they have some not for actors, not for him, not for actors. For like, yeah, other things. Right. So they don't have any for RDJ. So I think this is probably RDJ's best chance so far to get one of those Academy Awards. Um, yeah, I, I, I there's not a lot to add. I, I just like you did not know about this whole twist with Louis Strauss and Oppenheimer and Louis Strauss trying to get in the cabinet. I had no idea about any of this, which is another reason why I like these kinds of movies because it's as soon as you leave the theater, you're like, you start Googling things and you're, you're trying to learn it. It encourages, you know, the push for knowledge, which was really, really fascinating. Just learning about these people, like all this stuff is legit. Christopher Nolan does his research really, really well. And Robert Downey Jr.'s, Character Louis Strauss really, really tried this, and you know, all those years in the government trying to build up to his biggest post, screwed himself, which is is kind of crazy. But Robert Downey Jr. was incredible. I think the biggest impact for me was when the Senate aide Alden Einrich, Einrich, however yep. you say his name, realizes what's ha- what what happened, and the Robert Downey Jr. flips and turns into the bad guy. Hundred percent. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, RDJ maybe needs to come back for, is there like an evil Iron Man storyline? Cause I'm all for that. Let's, let's, let's do it. Look, we've, we've touted this on our show. I think Mark and I have been the first ones to say this. If you make a secret wars movie without Kang, bring back an alternate universe, Tony Stark. There you go. Make him superior Iron Man. I think it would be a layup. Um, Totally agree. Uh, Front runners right now uh, would be Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Matt Damon for Air, Aldrin Einrich, ironically, mm-hmm. for Fair Play. And then uh, Kingsley Benadir is in the Bob Marley movie, <laughs> Robbie. Uh, if, if he nails that, that could be a very interesting spot. He's playing also, Bob Marley, I'm assuming. He is. And okay. Joaquin Phoenix is in Napoleon. And I know that that movie Ooh. is very controversial. 
And, and, mm-hmm. and Robbie, for your credit, Dune Part 2. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, if that movie is a hit this year. Yeah, he, Timothy he won't, he won't be a, he, that move, those movies are built on how beautiful and how great they sound. I don't think they're built on the actors. I range. didn't like Dune one. You did. A lot yeah, of people big, love Dune. Big so Dune hater. I'm a Dune hater. I am one of the, one of those people out there, but uh, Robbie, I want to talk to you about two more things kind of before we close this show. Cause I mean, honestly, there's, there's not much to talk about after that, unless there's an actor you wanted to bring up. What did you think of the explosion scene for me? When I reviewed this, we have a Patreon, So I, I reviewed it um, in a non-spoiler review a couple weeks ago when I first saw this. And I said, the most stressed I've ever been was the pretty much build up to this explosion. Can you talk me through your experience with the explosion? Did you have the same experience or if not, what was it like for you? See, this is where how we see things must differ because you obviously had issues with the sound, but the sound in that spot is where I think Nolan shines because he's so good at building anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. So he he finds the noises to build anxiety. Like you can go back to the Joker, just the Joker's like, close up scene on the when he when you he he's first holding like the mask the build up scene to that is the anxiety that's like entering your body so Christopher Nolan does that same thing with this with the with the bomb but the one that really gets me is after the bomb goes off so they go and they do that celebration thing and he he combines the sounds of the cheering with the sounds of screaming essentially of what those people are probably experiencing mm-hmm. over in Hiroshima, which I thought was the most impactful moment of this movie. It was, it was awful. Yeah. It like was, it, was, it, was, it was haunting. It, yeah. It was, it was incredible. And it's like, if when you mesh those two things together, it's like, Oh wow, those things actually kind of sound the same, which I think is what was going on in Oppenheimer's head. So it's, it's like you said, it's like, it's the most uncomfortable you feel and then the bomb goes off and everything goes like back to clear. And you're like, holy crap, what just happened to me? Yeah. So, yeah, that the, the buildup for the bomb is incredible. But the, the after effect, when it's celebration and screaming put into one, that's what really got to me. I think that's the strength of this movie. The strength of this movie is the anxiety that is built in. And it look, I'm not going to pretend like I understood half the things they were talking about. I, have no I, idea. I think that's yeah. the other part. I, I think. This is a very dense movie in terms of dialogue, but it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Like, what are you going to expect? I I think all of his movies require multiple viewings to fully understand everything that's being said. I I actually think, just to speak on that, I think they could have gone even harder into that. I think Christopher Nolan did a good job teetering that line, in my Mm. opinion. Because obviously, like when they're writing stuff on the board, they say like three things, but like it's obviously much more complex than what they're saying. Sure. So it's like Christopher Nolan could have gone deeper into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good balance. Like you said, like we're not rocket scientists. We have no idea what they're actually saying. I'm just no, picking yeah, up yeah. things here and there. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, that part was just, I just like was cracking up. I was like, ah, I don't understand what you're saying, but I understand the stakes at which, and I think right. Nolan did that well too, with the characters he made the characters, the central tension points who was getting on and off the base Mm-hmm. Uh, the hydrogen bomb scientist really was pushing for the hydrogen bomb. And, you know, he right. doesn't shake Nolan's hand and yada, yada, yada. I, I thought that those kinds of decisions really lended themselves. Well, politically, this movie really dives into the the Soviet Union. Did you appreciate that? Did you feel like it was too bloated? I've heard some feedback from people saying, nah, there wasn't enough there to make that a storyline other than as a kangaroo court. Uh, court point what did you feel about that because I, th- I feel like nolan left it open-ended in some regards of like 
how Oppenheimer really felt or how it really was yeah. perceived from his perspective. Yeah, I think that was the other thing I was thinking about talking about. I was like, it seemed like Oppenheimer was very naive. Like they thought they were going to send this bomb off and they were going to fix the world, essentially. Like everyone would see this explosion and then Russia was just going to stop building bomb or trying to build an atomic bomb because they saw the power that the U.S. had. That threw me for a loop. I was like, that this guy's not that dumb. And maybe that's just I maybe I just perceived that wrong, but it, that's what it seemed like they were trying to go for. Like, like Oppenheimer's going to set off this bomb, but I'm doing it because once they see it once, people will stop. Yeah, and, and but I think you pair that dichotomy with the scene where they're deciding where they're going to bomb it, and the senator essentially or the, the director essentially says, "We're not going to do this location because this is where I vacation," and you're just like, right. Like, jeez, like, what? what? <laughs> that that was the only moment in the film where I went, whoa. I like out loud said, whoa, in the film. <laughs> and I think politically, I don't buy just long term, guys. I just don't buy that Oppenheimer didn't know. I don't I don't buy that. He didn't know that he had connections. I think he probably did have some Marxist socialist connections down the line. I don't know if yeah. he believed it, but I think he engaged in it early on. I do believe that. Sure. As I look at history and, and I don't have. Oh, you're talking about like all, all the communist parties. Yeah, I'm stuff just I'm and kind all of that. reaching back to that part. I think Nolan yeah. kind of made it out to be ambiguous. And I don't think it was as ambiguous as Nolan is, is kind of claimed. But I, you know what? I wasn't there. I don't know. The other part is that part you're talking about of just his idea of his philosophy of the bomb. I think he kind of had no choice but to feel that way is maybe my argument. Sure. I think the hand was forced. <laughs> and I think he knew like. If somebody else does this before us, then our people are the ones that get it. And that part I do believe. And I believe him and Einstein had some. I think it was more than one conversation by the pond, maybe is what I would say to you, Robbie. Probably. Yeah. I don't think it was a conversation just by the pond. I think it was if they legit, which again makes this movie jarring of like, you know, the odds of us blowing everybody up are next to zero. Yeah. Um, is, is a very awkward statement assuming that is all true and knowledge that they had that's a scary moment when you're testing that bomb right of what will happen so well they touch on that right as they're about to set the thing off right like it was like the the night before whatever they're like there's a small percentage that this thing is gonna go gonna like ignite the entire earth and he's like next to zero like what would you like better well zero like (laughs) yes that's insane that like they're building this thing that could just set off a chain reaction that could have destroyed everything. One thing I do think that this film did well, Robbie, and kind of speaking on this point is, so I don't know how your parents have said about this or your grandparents. My parents have always talked about, you know, when we were kids, they said they would say, we we were legit worried that we'd have Cold War or we legit worried we would have like a nuclear bomb. And I was always like, that's ridiculous. There's no mm-hmm. way. I totally get it now. <laughs> right. After watching this movie, I kind of feel like, I got a little more fear about that. And I've I've always there's been moments in my life where I've gone, if a nuke blows up in America, that's bad for everybody in the world. Yeah. I just pray that doesn't if, if a nuke blows up anywhere for clarity, I'm not just saying America, for clarity anywhere on the planet, that's not good for the world. Right. Because there will be retaliation, is is how I look at it. I mean, I hope not, maybe, but this movie really, I think, paints a great picture of that fear. I think it really paints a great picture of the mm. fear that our parents and grandparents felt during those seasons. And I think, I think it gives a very clear understanding of this is the end line. And it is fascinating, Robbie, that it, it since 
that moment, essentially, it hasn't happened again. And will the earth be able to hold that line? I don't know. But Oppenheimer is a great I've said in my review, it may not be Nolan's best movie, in my opinion, but it is Nolan's most important movie. This is the movie. This is his first nominee in the all time list, in my opinion. Right. I think this is his most important story he's ever shared. Um, and I'm I'm thankful he did it. This is a really, really impactful film. And it's the complete opposite of Barbie. <laughs> you don't think Barbie was impactful? I just got done talking about it to the audience, but yeah, yeah. no, I love, I, I really liked Barbie actually a lot. I just Oppenheimer's just it, this, this is special. This one's really so special. If you had to recommend a mo- one of these to somebody, who would you, which movie would you recommend? Oh, that is such a great question. Cause I really think it depends on the person at this stage, right? No, you don't get, to, you don't get, you don't get that benefit. You just have to recommend mm. one movie to a general person, a nameless faceless person. I think I'm going to go Oppenheimer, but if I had better clues as to who this person was, it would be more of a toss up. I'll say Oppenheimer, even with the R rating and, and the nudity that I, I strongly don't recommend this. For, I mean, it's a, it's a couple minutes worth of nudity. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. And this is a heavy topic. I, I think that's the other part. This is this is not a topic for the faint of heart. This is some heavy, heavy stuff. I mean, you talked about the scene afterwards with the crowd and, and Oppenheimer. It's. He had some massive PTSD, I would imagine. And so, yeah, I'll say Oppenheimer. That'll be my vote, but it's it's begrudgingly. But this movie is way better than Barbie. I will say that. Yeah. That's not the argument here, though. Right. This just is like, I, I, I would put this kind of in the category of the Joker movie that came out years ago that we actually reviewed on the show. Oh, sure. I, I don't know how much I'll be able to go back to it. I, I just don't see myself gearing up to watch it when it comes out on oh, really? DVD. Uh, I think one time is a good enough for me and uh, I don't need to be reminded about it personally. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this again, to be honest. Yeah. You'll, you'll buy this digital and physical. I don't remember the last time I bought a movie physical. <laughs> You're just all digital. I'm all digital now. Okay. All right. Well, you can check it out in theaters still. I think it's going to be out for a while. Yeah. Actually the last, the last movie I bought even digitally was freaking black Adam. So maybe I'll never buy a movie again. Yeah. That might be it. That's it. Yeah, my well, last one. I got across Spider Verse today. So. Oh yeah, that's another one. I need, actually I need to go buy that. You're right. Yeah, never that, mind. Just kidding. That is that was a day one buy. I actually bought it yesterday. We we watched an episode. Nice. Of that. So you can check it out. Timer and Barbie both are still in theaters. And make sure you go uh, check them out. We've I, I've been critical. I said this in Barbie. I've been critical of the of the movie going experience. I think it's ridiculous. I think you can watch it at home. Both of these films, if you are a like, I'm going to go only once in a while, I think both are worth your time in the theaters would be my my belief. Uh, I, I would say Barbie isn't doesn't necessitate necessarily need to be a theater movie. Like there's nothing in that movie that says like, oh, oh my gosh, you have to see this in the theater. Yeah, you know, like it's a good movie, but like I think Barbie's more for the crowd. I, I, I think guess my argument yeah. would be the crowd. I think people are just going bananas for that. Yeah, movie. you're right, because that's another thing that me and Isaac have talked about in the, in the chats that like we, we went to, I went to Barbie a week and a half after it came out on like a Wednesday night and the theater was packed. Yeah. Like in my theaters, never, never packed. Like even mm-hmm. like premiere nights for big Marvel movies, it's never packed and it's been packed for the last two weeks because of Barbie and Oppenheimer, which is wild to me. I'm, I'm honestly shocked. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. What's your rating of Barbie? Barbie, I'd give for a five. Okay. It's solid. Yeah, I can't wait for the sequels three. for both movies, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
don't think you're going to get that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Robbie, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks to Isaac and Holly also for coming on, especially Holly. Thanks for taking time uh, to be with us. Hey, Infinity Bros Universe, you're not going to see me for a little while, but uh, you can still reach out to me. I'll still be hanging around. Uh, you can find me on social media and always you can find the rest of the Infinity Bros. You can check out things that Robbie's talking about on TikTok and Instagram or, or click the links in the show notes. You can simply click that and it'll take you wherever you need to go. Make sure you hop into our Discord. Make sure you come join some of our live events we're doing. We've got a ton of great things coming on the pike, and it's happening on the backs of these guys, so you're not going to want to miss it. We love you guys, 3,000. We will see you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at the infinity bros you can also check out our website at theinfinitybros.com for links reviews and sweet merch feel free to send us listener feedback via social media or email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com